I don't know what you're like when you come to the edge of water, whether it's a lake or a pool, wherever it is. Um, I don't tend to be a jump right in guy. I like, I like to find out the temperature of the water. I like to get warmed up, you know, and I'll dabble the toe and then the knee and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and that works great for a lake or a pool. But for the spiritual life, God wants us to jump right in. In fact, God wants us to jump right in to the point that we are in over our heads. And in over our heads is actually a great place, not a bad place. So we're going to live that this morning and quite literally jump right in. We've been following the stories of three prodigals, three people who have done a a wander away from God. And now we're trying to see whether or not they're going to come back home. And today we're brought to this issue, and I think this really ends up being the issue for most people, and that is brutal honesty, brutal honesty. And the person we lie to most often and the best is the person that resides in our own skin. We are so great at deceiving ourselves. So let's dive in. The reality is we are experts when it comes to uh, admitting somebody else's faults, to being brutally honest about where they're messing up. Uh, But that's not what AHA is really all about. AHA is not looking at someone else and seeing where they've messed up. It's introspection. It's looking at ourselves. And when we finally wake up from our long slumber in the foreign country, we arrive at a significant fork in the road, a crossroads. We have to make an important decision about which road to take. It's important because one road will lead us back to the good Father's house. The other road will take us deeper into the distant country, further and further away from home. We can choose to be honest about ourselves, about our circumstances, our choices, what we did. We can tell ourselves the truth about ourselves, or we can choose not to be honest. The choice is ours. It belongs to no one else. But the consequences are ours as well. No pressure, because it's only the future that lies in the balance. When you come to that fork in the road, what do you choose? What will you choose? Do you choose the difficult path of brutal honesty that leads home? Or do you choose the primrose path of pride that leads further away from home. Before we make that choice, let's examine these two roads together. Let's look at them so that we can make a wise and informed decision. In the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, we read what happens after his awakening. Uh, The text says, when he finally came to his senses, that's awakening, he gets it, came to his senses. He said to himself, at home... Even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. That's honesty. That's truth. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. That's honesty. That's truth. I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's honesty. That's truth. Have you ever thought about this parable and tried to visualize what you thought the prodigal son might look like? I don't know what your picture of him might be, but I think of him as being a pretty young guy, maybe late teens, early 20s maybe, Uh, and I always kind of picture a scruffy 
bearded-looking guy, good-looking, and brimming with self-confidence. I mean, he's a go-getter. He's ready to go. He's got it all figured out. He's full of ideas that he is just sure are all going to work. He knows it, and you can't convince him otherwise. He's not just optimistic. This guy's not just optimistic about his future. He's almost utopian. Everything is going to come up roses for him in life. That's just the way it's going to be. Now imagine this guy saying those words in Luke 15. No bravado there. No self-confidence. No optimism that he's got everything figured out. Instead, there is honesty. Brutal honesty. There is humility. A recognition that what he did was wrong and what the consequences are. There is truth. Now, how hard do you think it would be for that kid to say those words? It'd be tough. It would not be fun. It'd be hard to do for him to swallow his pride and admit that he had, that he had sinned. Not an easy task. Some tasks are definitely easier than others. That one's a tough one. An easy one is, uh, is grocery shopping. And that is a task that I have in my household. I took it on a few years ago, and um, I'm pretty good at it. Uh, I, I can get it done most weeks. Sometimes we don't have food for a while, but that's okay. Usually it happens. Uh, there was one particular trip where I went to the grocery store and had to buy a lot of food, and uh, so much food that it wouldn't all fit in the trunk of the car. And so I decided it would be smart to put some food in the back seat and some food in the trunk. So that's what I did. I went home and I put away all the groceries. I put away most of the groceries. But that was fine. Everything went along as, as planned for the rest of the day. It was no big deal. Uh, a couple days later, I went out to the car and there was... Uh, a smell that I didn't recognize, uh, but I kind of put it on the pay no mind list because I thought perhaps I'd run over an animal or something and something had gotten stuck on the tires, but no big deal. It would go away. The next day, I went to the car and the stink was worse. It was a lot worse. And I, I couldn't figure out what it was until I decided to go and open the trunk. And when I did... I looked in and I found something that looked like a package of ground beef, something that might have been a pork roast, and chicken. And I realized that I had a moment of brutal honesty. I did this! I stunk up the car and it was bad. It was really bad. And nothing was going to change until I took some immediate action to rectify the situation. So I took what was left of the groceries out of the trunk and put it in the car and went and got a very deep cleaning car wash. Uh, it, was, it was not good. Now, I had multiple options. I could have been honest or I could have made a different decision. I could have just ignored the smell, bought a nose plug to deal with the problem. I could have simply never opened the trunk. But the problem with an awakening that is not followed by honesty, is that we have to live with the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad smell. Unless and until we are willing to do the hard thing and both see and confess the truth about ourselves, we cannot experience 
the life change that God desires to produce in us. Conviction without confession is useless, and the awakening was all for naught. Brutal Honesty Boulevard is a tough road. It's tough. We can look down that road, that particular pathway, and see it will be difficult and painful. None of us enjoys opening the trunk and seeing and smelling the rot. None of us enjoy looking in the mirror at our own depravity and admitting that we're a hot mess. When the light of truth exposes us, we are quick to run and turn off the light because we don't like what it reveals. It's embarrassing. It doesn't feel good. It's not fun. It's hard. It's difficult. And while all of these things are true, there is one other very important truth about Brutal Honesty Boulevard. If we want to go home, it's necessary. It is essential because without it, we don't get rid of the awful stink caused by our actions. Without it, we don't get to experience the joy of seeing the Father run to greet us as we come home. Without it, there is no going home. If you've ever had to admit that your personal ambition has taken over first place from your family, you know how tough honesty can be. If you've ever had to look your spouse in the eye and confess that your lust has damaged your marriage, you know how hard honesty can be. If you just awaken to the devastation that your indulgence in your own selfishness has caused and you've had to confess it to your kid or your friend or your family, you understand just what the pathway of honesty demands. If you've ever had to admit that your own critical spirit has deeply hurt and wounded those closest to you, you know that honesty is not easy. It's scary. It's tough. The root of that fear that we feel when we come to Brutal Honesty Boulevard is is pride. It's self-preservation. Pride is the enemy of honesty. Pride and honesty are in direct conflict within us. God says, confess your sins. I'm faithful. I'm just. I'll forgive you. Pride says, hide your sins. Don't let anyone know what you've done. Image over substance. We don't want to look bad. We want to look good. We want to be well thought of. But when looking good and being well thought of run afoul of what God desires, we should not. We cannot let it allow, allow it to determine what we're going to do. The path of pride is so much easier because it demands so much less from us. Without a strong awakening and a deep desire to actually go home, most people, most people choose the path of pride for that reason. It's just easier. Brutal honesty is a pride killer. It hurts. And that's why it's so hard. That's why it feels so uncomfortable. Because our normal instinct is toward pride, not toward truth. But God wants to help us see that and change it. In David's classic psalm of confession after his affair with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah, we read this critical line about what God wants from us. It says, it says, Behold, you desire truth in the inmost being. 
That's what you want. And Southfield Big Kids, we're using the New International Reader's Version. It makes it a little easier uh, for kids to understand these days. And I love the way that verse appears in that, uh, in that translation. It says, I want, or I know that you want truth to be in my heart. That's what you want. You see, we can't lie to ourselves about our sin and also confess it and be forgiven at the same time. Being honest with ourselves leads to being honest with God about where we are and what we've done. Being honest with God leads to confession, agreeing with Him that what we've done is wrong. The prodigal puts it this way in his speech. He says, I have sinned against both heaven, that's God, and you, that's the Father, both of them. The prodigal admitted in his speech that he had offended God. He offended God. We have offended God. That's hard to wrestle with. Paul puts it this way in Romans 3.23. It says, For the wages of sin, a.k.a. our trip to the foreign country, the distant land, is death. Death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, Brutal Honesty Boulevard is a tough road. But we need to understand that the embrace of the loving and running Father is at the end of that road. And that is what should motivate us to go there even when we don't really want to. The path of pride is the other road that we can opt for. And it takes several different forms. Several different forms. The first is denial. Right? When we're confronted with the stink in our trunk, and the devastation that we've caused, we can choose to simply ignore it and hope that it will go away. The bad news is it never does. Staying in bed and pulling the covers up over our heads doesn't change anything. It perpetuates our circumstances. Denial is not honesty. It's denying the reality of our situation. Denial is much easier than honesty, for sure, but it is far less productive. True honesty that leads to confession, that's the cure for denial. Another form that the path of pride takes is called projection. Sometimes in a half-hearted, honest, half-hearted effort at being honest, we'll actually admit the reality of our situation. The stuff in the trunk stinks. But deny the responsibility. Who put the stuff in the trunk? Well, uh, someone else did. It wasn't my fault. I was busy. I had other things going on. It's not my fault. I only did that particular action because you did something else. If you weren't so judgmental, this wouldn't be that big of a deal. Projecting what we've done onto somebody else is much easier than honesty. Much easier. But it's not at all productive. It leaves us stuck In the distant country, it doesn't get us home. Finally, we start walking down the path of pride when we play the game of minimization. When we play off our sin as not being a big deal or as just harmless fun, uh, we're not being honest. Minimization may be the acknowledging of the reality of our situation and maybe even acknowledges that we have some culpability. We have some... Uh, responsibility for it, but denying its seriousness. 
playing it off. It's no big deal. I was just having fun. The problem with that is that the Bible is not a minimizer. It doesn't say, you're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. Scripture actually tells us the truth. All have sinned. All of us have left the Father's house. All of us. And the consequence that we deserve, that we've earned, is judgment from the Father. We deserve the Father's wrath. But thank God that He truly is a good Father and that when we turn to Him with brutal honesty, with humility, His really surprising and wonderful response is to give us mercy even though we don't deserve it. And grace, allowing us to join His family, to rejoin His family even though we don't deserve it. Now that is a good, good Father. When it comes to being brutally honest, there really are two extremes. One is avoidance. The other is obsession. So far this morning, we've been talking about avoidance. But obsession is equally dangerous. In his writings, the Apostle Paul wrote two letters to the Corinthian believers. In his first letter, he had to take a a corrective posture because the Corinthian church had really morally gone off the rails. His tone was harsh. Because the church needed an awakening. They needed an aha. But in the second letter, he writes to them, he writes these words. He writes, I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first. I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now, I am glad I sent it. Not because it hurts you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change. Change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have so that you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow that God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret. No regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Paul describes Two types of sorrow here. One is godly sorrow and the other is worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow lasts for a little while and leads to action. We'll talk about more next week. Godly sorrow does not go on forever. It has a point. It has an end. The point is repentance. The point is change. Worldly sorrow, on the other hand, is a type of sorrow that causes us to wallow in the sins of our past over and over and over again, reliving the devastation over and over again. The problem with worldly sorrow is that it doesn't lead us anywhere. It is sorrow for its own sake because it doesn't cause us to change anything. Worldly sorrow, Paul says, results in spiritual death because there's no repentance there. Brutal honesty is not code language that says we're supposed to beat ourselves up day in and day out. That's not what it is. It's rather considering ourselves with sober judgment. Brutal honesty is embodied in Psalm 51, the psalm that David wrote after he was confronted about his sin with Bathsheba. Hear the words, the first 12 verses of Psalm 51 again and recognize this 
is the type of honesty that our Father in heaven desires. This is what David wrote, and this is what brutal honesty looks in our own life, looks like in our own lives. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me, it's just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you, you desire honesty from the womb. Teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. That's the heart. And I'm afraid sometimes we think our success or failure as people boils down to simple things like, did we get the promotion? Did we score the touchdown? Did we make the grade? Were we well thought of by our peers? Were we the greatest parents for our children? When the reality is that the success, success in the eyes of God can be measured by simply answering this question. Was I honest in the inmost parts? God's Spirit works with soft hearts. Hard hearts make for bad molding clay. God will not force us to be honest and truthful. That's up to us. So when we finally wake up from our long slumber in the foreign country, we will arrive at a significant fork in the road. We can tell ourselves the truth about ourselves or not. The choice is ours. Belongs to no one else. But the consequences are ours as well. Today, you may find yourself staring directly at that fork in the road. What will you choose? Will you choose the difficult path of brutal honesty that leads home? Or will you choose the primrose path of pride that leads away from home. I hope you choose truth. I hope you choose honesty. Let's talk to God. Father, thank you for having David pen those words in Psalm 51. Tell us what you want. You desire honesty. You desire truth in our innermost being. God, that's scary. It is and we need your help. We pray that your spirit would give us the courage to tell ourselves the truth, to tell you the truth, to tell others the truth about where we are and what we've done. In Jesus' name, amen.
Conviction without confession is useless. So many great lines in that teach this morning. Conviction without confession. The way the Apostle Paul put it, sorrow without repentance really doesn't get it done. I think this is probably one of the tougher teaches of the entire uh, summer experience we're having because the fact is most of us really do not like being honest. We're, we're just not there. I had to laugh as I'm listening to John. I had one of those trunk experiences as well. Uh, let, me, let me tell you about it. Our servers are coming to receive the offering. We owned an old Buick uh, Century. It came from Kim's great aunt and uncle. It lived in Florida for many years. And Florida does interesting things to cars. It, it kind of wears the paint off with all the salt water. Back then, the, uh, the liner inside would tend to degrade because of the heat and everything. So the liner would sit on your head, and I stapled it back up. And years of being in Florida didn't leave it with a great smell. So you kind of got used to it not being a great smelling car. Well, we went fishing one day for catfish. You know what you use fishing for catfish? Chicken livers. Yeah, chicken livers. And so I thought I got them all out of the trunk until about a week later, got in the car and I'm like, there is something wrong in this car and that's not just that nasty Florida smell. And uh, yeah, I went in the back and it, it was doing kind of a molten lava oozing thing that was most intriguing. I cleaned the carpet and, and that smell was with us until we got rid of that car. It was quite beautiful. So if you look at your folder today, there are two main announcements for you to see. The one uh, it talks about that uh, 5K that's coming up in October. Uh, Dave Morey and Bob Coyne are the ones uh, leading that. It gives us an opportunity to, to serve, to, to get involved in our community by helping out the music program uh, of Shanahan. Uh, so if you're interested in that, Dave sits toward the back here. You can meet him after church. If you're going to be doing a couch to 5K, uh, you have to start that. I believe the date is August 12th, so that's this coming week. Anything more than that is going to be... Uh, bad for your health. So you want to make sure that you take it slowly and gently and and are in good shape when the time comes for the race. And the other uses one of my favorite words, soft serve. Don't you love soft serve? We we went to a barbecue place the other day and and they have a free soft serve as you're leaving. Oh my word, I wish I'd have known that. I'd just skipped the barbecue and stood there and had that. But we have a little bit different definition of soft serve around here. It's an opportunity to try out a ministry opportunity. Just try it. You know, the, the, part, the two things that are hard about small groups and serving in, a, in the way a lot of churches are structured is you, you sign up for it and then you have to stay there for 25 years. And, and about two weeks in, you go, oh boy, this was a bad match. But now you're stuck. So uh, sometimes the best way, in fact, I really do believe the best way to find out whether or not a ministry is good fit is to try it. You can take all the tests in the world, but it's only when you try it that you find out whether or not this is a good opportunity. So if you're kind of, you know, thinking, I should be getting involved in some serving, I'd like to get involved in some serving, stop by the Welcome Center today, and Sue Beaker will be glad to talk to you about that. The other opportunity that I just want to get on, get on your radar, and it's coming up quickly, but we've been working on uh, a chapel up at Green Lake. It's actually an old root cellar, beautiful little building. It's over 100 years old, made of stone. And that that place was uh, converted at one time to be something of a chapel. They put carpet in there. Well, the the floor tended to sweat and and the walls tended to leak. And so that carpet just got really uh, smelling like the chicken liver. But anyway... 
So when our kids were up there, we ripped that out, and we've been doing some work to try to, to, try to refurbish that as, as Green Lake comes up on its uh, 50th anniversary of ministry. Another person has gotten involved, and, and now, wow, some really beautiful things are going to happen, like putting in some limestone tile on the floor and, and pulling the paint off the walls to get back to the original brick. So uh, we have a, an opportunity for a couple of different work groups if you wanted to be a part of that, either the last week of August or Labor Day weekend. There are those two different op- options. The last week of August we'll be doing primarily outside stuff, painting trim and that sort of thing. And then the week after will be primary, primarily inside stuff. You don't have to be particularly skilled at anything. What you have to be willing to do is work hard. And I know for some, now it's time for brutal honesty, right? Because some of us are just like, I like to watch other people work hard, but that's not really me. If you don't like to work hard, it will be a miserable week because I will be there as the Egyptian taskmaster making sure things happen. And so it could be really brutal. But anyway, uh, if you have any interest in that at all, I've given you very sketchy details. Again, stop by the Welcome Center, leave your name at least and a way to contact you, and we can talk through further how that would work. I, I say even like the last week of of August, and you're going, the whole week, part of the week, what? Well, we, we can be flexible, so, uh, we, we, but we need to know if you're interested to be able to go ahead and do that. So, so like other weeks, we're going to come back with this uh, two-minute wrap-up, with, with, and today, uh, teacher's going to just get into some, some pretty probing questions, some pretty probing questions that get us to ask, okay, so am I being brutally honest in my life? And then, and then we're going to come out of that to Shelley and Stephanie leading us in a song that, again, is pretty probing. Because I suspect for some of us today, this one is kind of latest wide open. It's latest wide open. Because, because we have the realization that honesty is not our specialty. We have a pretty good, we're pretty good either at denying excusing, blaming. We, we got all kinds of tactics that we use instead of just doing like the fellow did in the Bible. I have sinned. I have sinned. This is me. It's funny, even in, in modern days, we don't like the word sin. Mistake, error in judgment. No. I have sinned. That's what, that's what the Bible calls it, and that's what we should be calling it as well. So um, we'll watch these. And then we'll listen to the song and allow both to continue to work at our heart as we just ask that question, am I being brutally honest? And there might be another layer of that. What keeps me from being brutally honest? Thank you. 
God, there are a pair of words we, (laughs) on many levels, absolutely despise. I surrender. I give up. Oh, how we like to fight and struggle. How we like to just try reworking whatever we've messed up. 
And to just release, to just say, I surrender. We resist it. And yet it is the path home to the Father. Open our hearts today, God. Open us to that level of brutal honesty that stops, that stops blaming everyone else, excusing what we're doing, minimizing it, and just says, this is it. This is what I'm doing and this is who I am. I admit it. I surrender. In your name, Jesus. Amen. We'll see you next week. Old things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. Things that